morning, everyone. So if you haven't heard, which I'm guessing most of you haven't, uh, the news continues in our current scandal. And I want you to hear it here from me and not from other sources. So yesterday, last night, news broke that the former ambassador from the Vatican to the United States, Archbish Archbishop Vigano, or Vigano, I don't know how you say it, but Archbishop Vigano testified, he wrote, he presented an 11-page formal testimony, and in that testimony, he alleges that Pope Cardinal McCarrick is the bishop from D.C. who has been at the center of this scandal in our country. And Archbishop Vigano says that Pope Benedict had censured him, silenced him, and sent him off to do penance. He was forbidden from speaking publicly or from celebrating mass. And he was not, he had at that time had lived at his seminary and he was removed. And all that happened under Pope Benedict. And the allegation is that this Archbishop, Vigano, told Pope Francis about all of that. And that Pope Francis reinstated Cardinal McCarrick. That he knew about all the ugliness, all the bad things that had happened, and he removed the censure, and that Cardinal McCarrick then became perhaps the most powerful voice in terms of naming bishops in our country. I don't know if this is true. It has not yet been substantiated, uh, but this is, uh, Cardinal Vigano has called for Pope Francis to resign from his office. So the, the scandal continues to grow. I hope this is the end of it. I don't know if it is. And I want to remind you today, I want to challenge you today, and I want to address this. How do you and I face this? If you haven't been here in the past month when I've been talking about the scandal, brothers and sisters, you have to know why you're Catholic. And there's only one reason to be Catholic. There's one reason and one reason alone. And the reason is because Jesus Christ founded the Catholic Church. He gave her authority. He lives within her. And he promised that he would never abandon us. And that's the only reason to be a Catholic. I love Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict, is, if you go to Lourdes, you know that I like to quote him. Pope Benedict is one of my favorite people on earth. He has one of the most brilliant minds in the modern world. He is a man of deep holiness. He's a powerful example for me. But I'm not a Catholic for Pope Benedict. I never was, I never will be. If Pope Benedict, I don't think that anything will ever touch him in terms of scandal. But if it did, it would not affect me. Because I was never a Catholic for, for Pope Benedict. 
I'm only a Catholic because of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I will never leave the Catholic Church. I will do my best for the rest of my life, however many days God grants me, I will live my life as a priest, striving to become the man I should be, and to love and serve the church as I am called to. And I want to invite you to that today. So before we move further, I just want to give you a couple of things to think about. As Catholics, we're not called to be defensive. When people, people are going to come at you, if they know you're Catholic, and they're going to say, how can you be a Catholic? Right? If this is true about Pope Francis, and again, I don't know if it is, but if it is, people will come at you and they'll say, how can you be a Catholic? Look at what's happening in your church. And there's two things I want to give you on that briefly. The first, the Catholic Church has never, ever taught that popes would live holy lives. The church has never taught that. The New Testament is explicit about the failings and the sins of St. Peter. It shows them upright. It doesn't hide them. The church has never taught that popes would be morally perfect. What it does teach is that Jesus Christ gave authority to the church and to the popes and to our bishops. Right? You've heard me say it before. Jesus chose 12 apostles, and we heard it today in our gospel. In the end of John chapter 6, we're told that Jesus knew from the very beginning who it was that would betray him. Think about that. The day that Jesus Christ pointed to Judas Iscariot and said, come follow me, and he made him an apostle of the church, he knew that day that that's the man that would hand him over to die. church has never promised that all of its members would be holy. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, and again, don't use this defensively, but for your own edification. Why are you a Catholic? Are you a Catholic for him? Not for me, not for Archbishop Aquila, not for Pope Francis, but are you a Catholic for Jesus Christ? Think of it this way. I tell people, imagine if with this the scandal, and our scandal right now is worse, but imagine if a scandal broke out where there were a bunch of doctors who committed malpractice. Imagine if we had hundreds of them. Right? There would be an outrage. People would, would worry about our, med our medical schools doing their job, and that would be a legitimate question. But what they would never ask is if medicine is legitimate. Right? People, maybe some people would do that, but they would be wrong. Right? We, none of us would say, because these doctors malpractice, therefore medicine is evil. The own standards that medicine provides would condemn those doctors. And that's exactly how we should look at this scandal. The Catholic Church has the highest, most beautiful, most demanding teachings on a moral life. And anything that sins against that, that means that these bishops, and please God, I hope the accusations 
against Pope Francis are false, but if they're true, he will stand condemned not by a secular authority, but by the teachings of the Catholic Church herself. And I believe in those teachings. And I believe in Jesus Christ. And no one who fails to live up to his teachings will make me stop believing in him and the church he founded. So how do we deal with this? I don't know if you know St. Jose Maria Escriva. You need to if you don't. St. Jose Maria Escriva is, he's that friend who's like, he makes you laugh and he challenges you. This morning he punched me in the face. He's in heaven now, so I don't mean that literally. But he did. And St. Jose Maria Escriva says, and he's, you know, he's been, I forget which year he died. But St. Jose Maria says that when there's a crisis in the world, it's always a crisis of saints. It's always a crisis of saints. God chooses to set things right through saints. But I want to read you this quote. This is the one where he, he, he just smacked me right across the face this morning. He says, whenever you see a poor wooden cross alone, uncared for, worthless, and without a corpus. You know what corpus is? Corpus is the Latin word for body. And so if you see a cross, right, this one has the body of Christ on there, a corpus. But when you see just a plain cross is what he's talking about. When you see that cross, don't forget that that cross is your cross. The everyday hidden cross, unattractive, unconsoling. The cross that is waiting for the corpus it lacks. And that corpus must be you. When we see ugliness, when we see a cross, brothers and sisters, there's a cross in our church right now that doesn't have a body on it. And the place on that cross is yours, and it's mine. The easy thing to do right now is to say, someone else can become holy. Someone else can deal with this. But my challenge and my invitation to you today is that when you see that cross, you see the scandal in the church, which is a cross right now, that's your cross. And you're called to embrace it. In our second reading today, I thought, isn't it providential? Lord, I love the way in these moments that you always provide. Our second reading today is that reading that lectors hate to get, especially the guys. Poor Michael. I always feel bad for the guys. The guys have to get up and say, women, be subordinate to your husbands. And they're like, do I really have to read this? If we had more time, I would love to talk about that. I'd love to talk about how obedience in the Christian life is not a negative thing. The world was saved by an act of obedience. 
right? When we are obedient to each other, we imitate him. And that's why Paul says what he does. And there's more to that, but we don't have time for that. But did you hear our reading? Our reading isn't mostly about that today. Our second reading from Ephesians 5 is about the love of Jesus Christ for his bride, the church. And so Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Did you hear that? Jesus knew everything. He knew this scandal would happen. He knew all the sins of the world. And what did he do? Did he stand back and rebuke her and say, do this and that and that? And of course he challenges her. But no, he loved her. Jesus loved the church and he gave his life for her. He saw an empty cross without a corpus on it. And he embraced it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her. My God went to the cross. Jesus suffered because he loved. And that's my invitation to you. One of my favorite stories, brothers and sisters, in moments like this, in moments like this, there's a decision. And maybe, and, I, and not maybe, God will do this. God, when there are dark times, it's at those moments he calls those who love him out of mediocrity into holiness. And maybe in the providence of God, maybe in his love for you, maybe he will use this dark moment for you to finally become the saint you were always destined to be. And God always does that. In dark moments, he doesn't fix everything, but he raises up men and women of great holiness. When the Roman Empire is collapsed and civilization is falling apart, he raises up St. Benedict and St. Scholastica. And they don't know that they're going to save Western civilization. They don't know that. They just love Jesus. And they choose holiness. When the papacy is corrupt, when Rome is, is filled with sin and ugliness, St. Catherine of Siena arises and purifies the church by her holiness. And she did not know that she would do that. She didn't know that. She just loved Christ. And in a dark moment, she said, Jesus, I am yours. In the Reformation, when Western civilization is being cut in half and the world's falling apart, if I were God, what I would do is I would fix everything. But that's not what he did. God's answer to the Reformation was a young man who was injured in battle, a nobody, who was laying in a hammock and had no dream of fixing any problems in the church. But he read a book about St. Francis and St. Dominic, and he said if they could do that, if they could give up everything for the Lord, 
maybe I could too. And that man was St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits. They were a bright light after the Reformation and brought holiness and healing to the church for centuries. But maybe my favorite one last story. Sorry, it's going to be a long homily today. One last story. In 1917, true story, 1917, the world's falling apart. End of World War I. And in 1917, communism would come to Russia. Communism, which hates God, which is intrinsically atheistic, and would bring suffering and death to millions and millions of people. And if I were God, I would, have, I would say I'm going to stop communism from happening. You know what God's answer was? Three poor kids in the middle of Portugal. Three poor kids, three nobodies. In the middle of nowhere in Portugal, at a place that today we know as Fatima. That was God's answer to communism and to the century that would have more bloodshed than all centuries in human history together. God calls those who love him in times like this out of mediocrity to holiness. And that's my challenge to you, brothers and sisters. I hope and I pray, and I don't know, I hope this isn't arrogant. I love, I love this parish with all of my heart. And I think God's done great things here, but my hope is he's just getting started. And what if, what if 100 years from now people look back and they say, that was such a dark time for the Catholic Church? And maybe not everyone will know, but what if people in Colorado, what if people in Denver look back and they said, there was that parish. There was that little parish, Our Lady of Lords. And those people reminded us that holiness is real. And in the darkness of the scandal, their light broke out and gave us hope. That's my prayer for us. It's so weird. I was like, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. I always do both, I guess. And I cry when I laugh, and I laugh when I cry. But today is time, and we were doing a prayer and participation, and I was like, Lord, how do I, how do, I do all this? And it does. It fits together. So brothers and sisters, these cards we put on your chairs today, this isn't the Christian life, but it's meant to be a way that encourages you to be serious about your Christian life. So pull out that card, and I want you to look at it with me. My good friend, Father Matt Book, says that excellence is never an accident. When you know someone, when something goes super well, right, when you hear the musicians at this mass, you know that didn't just happen. Excellence is never an accident, and neither is holiness. We have to be intentional. 
The most important thing on this card is the top half. So it's going to break in half, and ha one half you can give to us. And if you sign up for a ministry, we'll get in touch with you. But the top half is the more important part. And I want to encourage you today, right? If, if today, if we walked away from Mass and we said, okay, we need to make some changes, that's good. But if you don't do that with Christ, it doesn't mean much. Jesus says in John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And you don't have to fill out that top part right away, but I want you to think about these things, and I want you to be specific. And I want, I want to challenge every one of us today, every one of us this week, should mark something on our card of prayer where we will make reparation for the sins in the church right now. Right? You could give up alcohol. You could say, I'm going to pray the rosary every day. I'm going to pray the rosary twice a week. I'm going to pray it once a week. I'm going to go to daily mass every day. Or I'm going to go twice a week. I'm going to turn off the radio in my car and have silence with God. Another couple recommendations. What do you do first thing in the morning? What if the first part of your day was given to Christ? Put that down. I will wake up every day, and the first moment of my day, I will offer the day to God, and I will turn my heart to him. Magnificat is a wonderful resource. If you don't know how to pray, Magnificat gives you daily scripture readings, reflections, quotes from saints. It's, it's wonderful. You can go online and get emails. You can go on form.org. There's a thousand things. But be intentional. And then on that bottom part, if you want to start filling this out, you can't do this by yourself. And so what I want to encourage you to, brothers and sisters, come with me. Come with me. Do you love this place? Do you love God? Will you help me? Because it never is one person. It has to be us together. Will you come with me? Will you help me to make this place the answer? The people come here and they say, gosh, that place, the love of God radiates in that church. I need your help for that. Can you join a small group? I want to highlight RCIA and Alpha. RCIA, if you don't know your faith, I teach RCIA. I teach it every Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8. It starts September 12th. Maybe you're someone who's like, I'm not interested in becoming Catholic. Come anyways. Come learn why the church teaches what she does. It doesn't mean you're going to be Catholic. Just come check it out. Maybe you're someone who's been Catholic your whole life, but you feel like you don't know the faith as well as you might. Come to RCIA. We meet right over here. We usually have about 50 people that come every week. Alpha is like Christianity 101. Who is Jesus? Can we really know he existed? What is Christianity about? It's really non-threatening. They have a meal, small groups. They just talk. It's very uh, kind of a, a welcoming, warm place to enter into. And then lastly, with our ministries, I just want to take a look at those the ushers are going to come by and pick these up in just a second. We need help with sound ministry, right? Making sure that our, our microphones, our speakers are working well. We're going to have a brand new system in the church. 
hospitality. We want people to feel so welcomed here. Lectors, we're going to have auditions. We're adding that for lectors because the word of God is so important. We want people to hear it, every word. We want them to hear it clearly and powerfully. There's so many things. If there's something that is not on the card that you say, you know what, I could help Our Lady of Lords do this better, and it's not on there, write it down at the bottom. So all that's good, and as we close today, the ushers are going to come forward. But brothers and sisters, the more important piece is prayer. The Christian life, to be a good Christian does not mean I read at Mass. It does not mean I'm an usher. To be a good Christian means I have faith, hope, and love in Jesus, and I am obedient to his commands. That's what it means to be a Christian. Jesus, today, give us a deeper faith. Make us men and women of prayer. Lord, when we see that empty cross, Lord, help me to pick it up. And help me to pick it up because I love. Because I love you and because I love your church. Bless our community today, Jesus. Lord, and build up within us faith, hope, and love.